بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا انك انت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار اما بعد beloved brothers and sisters and dear listeners السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته we thank allah azza wa jalla who's allowed us to gather in this blessed uh, nights and days of dhul hijjah in his house in which ibadah of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these nights and these days are so virtuous and many hadith mention the fact that they are there are no more no more days or rather no more nights that are more virtuous than these nights and days because Allah Azza wa Jal according to some scholars has brought in here the, the virtue of prayer the virtue of sadaqah the virtue of fasting and the virtue of hajj all together and so this is a very blessed night and day uh, these walayalin ashr walfajr walayalin ashr Allah Azza wa Jal takes an oath on the daybreak and says and the ten nights so many of the ulama have mentioned that these 10 nights referred, refer to the 10 nights of Dhul Hijjah. Um, so Sadaqah is very virtuous, fasting is very virtuous, uh, performing uh, Salah and Nawafid is very virtuous. And then of course the most virtuous thing for those who are blessed to do though, do so is, is uh, the Hajj of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah to accept the Hajj of the Hujjaj who are out now in their, in, in their journeys. And may He allow them all to remember the rest of us and the Ummah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And may Allah Azza wa Jal allow all those upon whom Hajj is fard and who have a desire to go so, to do so, that in the next years Allah Azza wa Jal may He facilitate it for all the rest of us as well. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. At the outset, let us renew our intention. Why we are here? We are here to please Allah Azza wa Jal. We are here to benefit from the Qur'an. We are here because we need to be here. We are here because we are sick. And we are spiritually deficient in every sense. We're here hoping that the Quran can give us shifa. We're here hoping that the Quran can give us nur. We're here that the Quran. We're here because we're hoping that the Quran can pull us out from the shackles of the nafs and shaitan. And we're here hoping that Allah Azza wa Jal's mercy will descend upon us on this blessed night, and that whatever issues and difficulties any one of us are going through, through the barakah of the Quran, Allah Azza wa Jal, inshaAllah, will remove. Those difficulties from our lives. I want all of us to make this niyyah of practicing on the, on the good, um, as well as sharing whatever beneficial things we hear, and additionally uh, making the niyyah that the niyyah Allah, whatever I'm going through, allow me to hear something beneficial regarding that specific situation. And I ask Allah Azza wa Jalla the same for myself that He allows me to say, say those things which would be of most benefit to me in my life now and most beneficial to all of you as well. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Last week, Mufti Bin Hajj was covering, he did cover these ayats, but I think the, the slides may have not been there, so I will just read through this uh, for the sake of, uh, of all of you being able to follow along here um, in the ayats and the translation. Whenever the people of Jahannam endeavor to exit from, from Jahannam because of their unceasing anguish therein, 
unceasing anguish. It's not going to end. The anguish and every single torture out there, it ends after some time. But the torture and the punishment and the anguish that people will have in Jahannam will be never-ending, continuous. So whenever they desire to exit out of Jahannam, they will be returned and pushed right back into it. And it will be said to them, it will be said to them, taste the torment of the burning in hellfire. Whenever Allah speaks about punishment, Allah also speaks about rewards. We don't want to hear something that's too much. You have to balance out the carrot and the stick. Always use a stick, then people will give up, people will lose hope, people will become despondent, people will become over, feel overburdened. That is why I notice wherever Allah speaks about Jahannam, He will also speak about Jannah. So he said, Allah Azawajal speaks about Jannah in Allah Yudkhil Ladin Amanu, but indeed Allah shall admit, Yudkhil, to admit, Alladin Amanu, those who believe, Wa'amidu Salihat, and do who righteous deeds, Jannatin, into gardens. Tajri min tahti al anhar, below which rivers flow. Yuhallawna fiha, min asawir, fiha, in this paradise, Yuhallawna, they will be adorned. Yuhallawna, they will be adorned. Hulya, Hulya is, is the jewelry, uh, adornment. Just like jewelry adorns a body, these people of Jannah will be adorned with bracelets. Asawir, it means bracelets made of dhahab, gold, walu'lu'a, and with pearls. Walibasuhum fiha harir, and their garments therein shall be of silk. This is uh, for the believers to enjoy in the akhirah, not to enjoy in the dunya. That's the whole point. The sacrifice that uh, you have to make, you make now, you will be able to enjoy the fruits of it in the hereafter. That's the name of the game. Every single time we tell children, you can't have this, you can't have this, you can't have that. But reality is not only for children, it's for us. All of us, the same thing. Whatever your nafs desires, you can't have it. Uh, there are certain things you're allowed to, but there are many things that the nafs will desire, and that's the name of the game. That how much are you willing to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are you willing to give up something that you like in order to please Allah? You will never be able to gain piety unless you spend from that which you love. Those brothers were sitting far away if possible. You know, you can use this wall over here. Come closer inshallah if you can. Sit, don't sit far away inshallah. The more you sit together, the more blessed it will be. If you want to grab a chair, there's many chairs in the back. Feel free to grab a chair and come sit as close as possible. Barakallahu feekum. So Allah Azza says, bir. You will never attain piety until you spend from that which you love. So if you give away something which you don't love, nothing great. What you really like, give that in the name of Allah Azza wa Jal. Right? That's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing to see how much do you really love me? Is it leftovers you're giving to Allah? Stuff that you don't want that needs to be thrown away? We give away left used clothes, fine, to the flood victims, etc. We give away you know, uh, leftover foods, fine. But there should be a time when you say, I'm going to buy a new pair of clothes to give away. I'm going to buy, I'm going to make fresh food to feed and to give away. I'm going to, I'm going to buy something nice, not just hand me down. Something nice and I want to give it. There's, there's another whole beauty of that. When you like something from all the gifts, subhanAllah, test yourself. Test yourself. Someone gives you three gifts and there's one that you really like that's of high quality. It's easy to give away those two gifts that you don't really like. But the one that is really of quality that someone, you know, that you don't have use for or you do have use for. But you see that someone else may benefit from this more. Now how hard is it to give that away? Right? That's the test. Many, children, many times children will see gifts coming to the home. And they'll see that you're giving away. Oh, why are you giving that away? Well, that's the point. SubhanAllah, we need to train ourselves that when things come to us that we like and we enjoy, 
to be able to fight that nafs and to say, no, I'm going to give it in the name of Allah Azza wa Jal. We're supposed to be making huge, massive sacrifices. Like the Sahaba radiallahu anhu ajma'in were giving away gardens that they loved in the name of Allah. What I'm talking about right now, a box of chocolates. I'm talking about a bottle of honey. I'm talking about a bottle of nice, good cologne. Right? These are things that you can get tested on. Someone gives you a pen. Someone gives you this and that. You know, subhanAllah, you give away in the name of Allah Azza wa Jal. And you'll see how much Allah Azza wa Jal will give you. This reminds me of my Ustad Hazrat Mufti Allah Haqdamad Barakatuhum. One day we were speaking about, um, you know, banks and contracts and stuff of that sort. So he was telling me, he said, when, when I was previously working on helping one of the banks in South Africa come up with uh, Islamically acceptable contracts. And, you know, they're making hundreds of millions based on these Muftis' work that they, they, they come up with a, uh, a contract that they can sell and use to give loans and, and make investments and all those other things that these banks do with, 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 that, with their money. So he was telling me that, you know, this bank, I was helping this bank some years ago, but he said, I never accepted a single, forget about contract or honorarium or monthly stipends or things of that sort per signature or per contract review. Uh, review. He said, I never accepted anything. And nothing. He said, the only thing I accepted from them, two things he told me. He said, whenever they had had meetings, they would send a car to pick me up. He doesn't drive. He doesn't have a driver. Right? He said, they would send a car to take me from the madrasa to the, wherever the meeting was. That's one thing. <laughs> and second thing he said, once they gave me a gift of a pen. He said, I took that pen. And after that, I gave it away to a student. He said, afterwards, I found out that it was worth hundreds of dollars. Probably an expensive pen. He said, I didn't even know. I said, mashallah, good pen. This is his habit. Whenever a student would come in, he'd see that what, what he you know, had the gifts that were given to him the previous day. You'd be lucky. You don't know what you're going to get. When you go to Mufti Sahib's house, one day it'll be an expensive pen. One day it'll be a wallet. One day it'll be a pair of slippers. One day it'll be whatever it is. And subhanAllah, he had a habit of just not, he still has a habit, not keeping extra things. If he has a shawl, someone, you know, people love to give shawls because he does wear a shawl all the time. He doesn't wear a jacket. So always, mashallah, new nice shawls are coming in, you know, from Pakistan or whatever the case may be. So you, but you got to keep two shawls or three max, that's it. So anything extra, it has to be given away. People want to buy him slippers. People want to buy him shoes. Any, you don't know what you're going to get. You go there, he says, Ajaw, here, come take this. Sometimes giving a box of this and a box of that. So this is, Yani what, what the reality of it is, is that a person needs to give from what Allah has given him, especially those things we like. And this will show how much love you have for Allah and help break the, um, the, the, the desire to hoard. Desire to hoard. Whoever has been protected from the disease of avarice and greed, he, those are the lucky, successful people. Because greed is a very big musibah. Hoarding is a very big musibah, right? So if you find yourself just hoarding and keeping things in your house, or your, or your spouse, that's a big problem. You need to treat that. And the way to treat that is just give. Just go pack up things and say, Bismillah, by what I need it. No, you don't need it. If you didn't use it in the past year, you definitely don't need it. If you haven't seen it for the past year, you don't need it. If you need it again in one year, you'll go buy it. No problem. But if it's hidden somewhere inside, give it. So Eid is coming now. People are going to buy clothes. By all means, enjoy nice clothes. But please, this week, go through your wardrobe and give away. Give away. Before you replenish your wardrobe with new clothes, I ask all our mothers and sisters, if you want to buy new shoes for your outfit, you want to buy new outfits, by all means, go ahead. But make sure you give away your old outfit. There's that what you have worn once only. You say, I wear it again. No, Alhamdulillah, Allah has given you. You're buying every couple of months or every month new outfits. Give away what you have. There's so many people. Wallahi, what you wear on an average little party for Eid, that people, I promise you, majority of the world cannot afford that for their wedding. They can't afford that. They don't have the means for that. And you have 50 of them. 
I remember Hazrat Mawlana Chuksi Sahib one day said, he said one day he went to his one, student, one person's house and after that, I don't know what the, what the, how this discussion went about. And he said, he was always about being simple, simple, simple. You know, don't, have to, don't hoard. And so he asked, he said, how many shoes do you all have? How many shoes your wife has? He said, uh, now that you ask, she has 50 pairs. Right? He said, what? So he said this in class. He said, look, at this is what the ummah, people have 50 pairs of shoes. I know some of you are like, well, what's the deal? Big deal about that, brother. We have over 50 for the, this one and that one. SubhanAllah. But like, the reality is, there's no ending to the nafs. We have to learn how to be able to give away, give away. And, and SubhanAllah, when you give away, then a day will come when you will be able to have unbelievable amounts of things that's in paradise, where you even garments will be of silk and your uh, gold, bracelets of gold and, and, and with pearls. Today, many of the men, they, they think they're looking at hip hop culture uh, and they wear bling and all this, uh, you know, jewelry. Brother, I was like, that's not manliness. Manliness, I was visiting someone's house, he, he, a Syrian brother. And he, he said, I want to honor you. I want to show you different things in my home. So he pulled up a massive sword that he had received from Syria. His sons had gone to uh, the village back in Syria. And as honoring his sons, they had given him a sword. So he gave me the sword. <laughs> I was picking it up. It must have been 20 pounds, right? And, and then I unsheathed it. It was amazing. But I was just looking at it and I was thinking, Wallahi, imagine the Sahaba and Rasulullah holding one of these things which by all means, for sure this is lighter than the real ones. Like the really real ones, right? And how they would sit on a bareback horse, right? Running in the midst of the battlefield with this in their hand. That's manliness. Wearing a necklace around your neck is not manliness. That's, that's what women do. That's for women. For a man, it's not to sit there and wear all sorts of different rings and chains and things of that sort. Manliness is you're able to wield a sword, a 30-pound sword in your hand and, and defend yourself and, and, and do whatever a man is supposed to be required to do. SubhanAllah. May Allah make it me and all of us real men. Right? So when, when you have this whole feminine culture of you know, this and that, of just spending one hour, women spending one hour in front of the mirror, we understand before a wedding. A man sitting there making his hair for 30 minutes, spending 45 minutes to, at the barber, spending in line one and a half hour, booking the barber three weeks in advance. What in the world is going on? The sunnah of Rasulullah in battle, why did Rasulullah have long hair? No time to cut. We've got work to do. No time to cut. So just keep it clean, but no time to cut right now. We've got to move. Now we're the youth of the ummah, Subhanallah, sit there booking barbers and sitting there waiting in line also. And then after that, spending 45 minutes in front. I'm being like, this is, a, this is the thing. You have a, a pre Eid prep. This is how we're preparing for the Eid by making, making a hair, spending all those things. This, this is why we've lost our, our purpose because we're wasting our time and our resources and our money in places in which there's no benefit in the dunya, qabr or akhirah. And now if you, you only got limited 24 hours in your day, you've only got a limited amount of time and, and money. If you put that in the wrong places, how are you going to have time to do other things? Naturally, you're not going to have time. So this is something, you know, simplicity and being, you know, spending time with people, subhanAllah, the best of the best leaders of the ummah, spending time in the company of ulama and see who's our role model. People ask me, is this type of haircut fine? That type of haircut fine? This type of dressing is fine? That type of dressing is fine? Brother, who is going to be ahead of you in Jannah? These pop, uh, pop artists, this, these uh, rap artists, you tell me. Of course, I think all Muslim, most Muslims here would say, no, 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 they're not. The celebrities, no. Then who? We say the pious, righteous, God-fearing people, the ulama, sulaha. Okay, find me those ulama who have haircuts like this. 
Find me those ulama who have multicolored hair, multicolored hair, spare, sprayed, who have all these chains. This is not the way the sulaha and the ulama are. So you know deep down, you feel that they're pious. Oh, I can't be that pious. But they're going to be, in, inshallah, ahead of us in Jannah. Why don't we simply try to fake it? Why don't we try to look like them? Hopefully we'll just get in with them. That's the thing. A man will be with the one who he loves. Whoever resembles himself, whoever makes himself resemble like someone, he is going to be from amongst them. We are not pious. As Imam Hanifa's famous poem, I love the pious, although I'm not from amongst them. I hope one day Allah will grant me piety. So the first thing is, you start looking like the pious. Don't ever fall for it. Don't look in the mirror like, wow, man, I must be something. No, no. Inside yourself, you keep on thinking, I'm nobody. I'm nobody. But I am hoping that my resemblance to the pious will get me in somewhere. That's the thing. When we go visit, and for the women who are listening, there are many pious women, mashallah, our elders as well, for female scholars as well, and just older women, 60, 70, 80 year old sisters, aunties, who have spent their whole life in ibadah and dhikr and teaching their children, grandchildren, khair and goodness. See how they dress. What type of latest fashions do they have? What type of latest eyelashes have they done? No. But deep down in your heart, you know, man, this lady, this auntie, this is way ahead of me. That's it. I know that. You, in your heart, you think like that. So none, why not imitate? There is a place for zina, for women, definitely. There's places where to beautify yourself. But we cannot be obsessed over just beautification. When we spend so much time obs- uh, with that obsession, then what happens? We miss out on the big points. I want to reiterate, man sha'run. Whoever has hair, فَلْمْيُكْرِمْهُ He should honor it. That's mentioned in the hadith. If you, have on- if you have hair, don't keep it disheveled. Don't allow a'udhu billah lice in it, etc. Comb it, oil it, keep it clean. All of those things are there, both for men and women. For the beard, for the, for the uh, hair, everything. But obsession with our bodies, obsession with our hair is something, subhanAllah. I came across some beautiful statement today. Said so one of the ulama, every Thursday he would go, he would have a, a, a grave dig, dug up from beforehand. And every Thursday night he would go into the grave. He would sit there and then he would imagine that the death had death has already come to him and he's dead inside his grave and then he would remember the verse of the Quran which we covered a few weeks back in Suratul Mu'minun that that a dead man every you know, person he will say Ya Allah send me back into the world so that I may do some good deeds in the life that I have already passed by Allah says, Kalla, never. Inna kalima. What you're saying, you're saying it because you had to say it. It's been written for you to say it. That's why you're saying it. But don't you ever think that anyone will listen to you. Once a soul has come out, it will never go back in. Once you've gone into the grave, you're never going to come back up. He would repeat this. Ayah. And then he would come out of the grave and say, Allah literally has given me another life. If I was dead right now, I would be begging Allah, give me another chance. Give me another chance. Now Allah has given me another chance. Ya Abdullah, you're, you're back up out of the grave and alive, seeing the sunlight. What are you going to do the rest of the week? Every single week he would have this muhasaba and muraqaba with himself. You know, taking task to himself to say that, you know, that day will come very soon when, when you will not be able to walk out of the grave. Today you are able to walk out of the grave. And Allah Azza is giving you one more chance. There will be a day when you won't have another chance. So what are you doing with that?
So when a person goes through these type of spiritual exercises, visiting the graveyard, spending time with the sick, going to the hospital and seeing sick people, visiting people who are going through difficulty, someone whose relative passed away, what happens? This automatically helps create within us zuhd. This creates within us asceticism. This creates within us the, the dislike for overindulgement in the dunya. This is not worth it. Look at how she's crying. She's lost her son. One day my mom's going to be crying. Or one day I'm going to be crying. My wife's going to be crying. This is it. That's how it's going to be. So when we see these type of things, we'll be reminded of the akhirah. Moreover, they shall be guided to the most wholesome of words. For they shall be guided to the way of the all-praised one. Meaning on the day of judgment as they will be entering Jannah, they will be praising Allah, thanking Allah. And they will, even, they will be saying, Alhamdulillah ladhi hadana lihada. All praise belongs to Allah who has guided us towards Islam. We would have never been able to be guided towards Islam if it wasn't for Allah guiding us. Next ayah now. Next topic. Indeed, those who have disbelieved. Kafaru, past tense. Yasudduna, present tense. Yasudduna an sabirillah. They are barring, translated as who have barred others. But literally, it is a mudari', a current tense word. Yasudduna an sabirillah. Those who are barred others from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wal masjidil haram. And who have barred people from the, from the sacred mosque. الَّذِي جَعَلْنَاهُ لِلنَّاسِ Which we have made for all people. سَوَاءً Alike. سَوَاءً means alike. لِلْعَاكِفِ سَوَاءً الْعَاكِفِ الْعَاكِفِ means the dweller in it. The one who lives in Mecca. وَالْبَادِي And the one who is a visitor from outside. The haram is equal to both. So these people, they disbelieved and they continuously stop people from Allah's path. And they continuously stop people from Masjid Haram, which we have made it an equal accessible place to people who live in Mecca and those who are visitors. And whoever intends, whoever only even intends therein, be ilhadin to deviate. Bidulmin with some blasphemous or profane wrongdoing. We shall make such uh, we shall make it such that they taste a most painful torment. Let's go through this ayah now. Why is Allah Azza wa Jal using past tense for one and present tense for the other? Your ulama answer that first of all, what is kufr? Kufr is to turn your face away from the truth. To belie the truth, belie the signs of Allah, belie the verses of the Quran, belie the signs in nature, belie the promises of Allah, belie the threats of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, belie Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names, belie Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attributes, belie Allah Rasulullah's method of living his life, in, in, uh, uh, which is supposed to be a sample, an example for us in this world. That's all kufr. So they did kufr already. Now that kufr is leading them to do the next thing which is to continuously bar people from the path of Allah. That's why mudari' and present tense has been used. The kufr is past. But because of the kufr, they continuously bar people from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's path. Now what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's path? Anything that will lead you to Allah. Spending in the path of Allah. Spending in the path of Allah is something that they'll stop you and say, Why brother, why are you spending so much? 
This is your hard-earned money. You should keep it yourself. Go buy yourself a nice vacation home. Why are you giving in the name of Allah? Right? What else? Fasting is a fee sabirillah. It's a way to reach Allah. They will say, no, why are you fasting? Uh, giving to the orphans, fee sabirillah. Studying ilm, fee sabirillah. Attending durus, fee sabirillah. Teaching your children, ilm. Sending your children to institutions so that they can learn. All of this is fee sabirillah. So anything that will bring a person closer to Allah, these individuals stop people from benefiting from that. And they will bring them towards something else. They will always have some distraction. Always have some distraction. We have to understand that we are up against a massive effort to distract us from the deen. I was just thinking we witnessed an amazing Khatman Bukhari this past weekend. Something that you will find in the entire massive country, six hours from one place to the other, and you want to include Alaska, then you can add another four or five hours to that. You'll find in the entire country gatherings like that on what you can count on one hand. It's not just a random graduation. It is a culmination of years and years of efforts, and it's a culmination of seeing how the flag of Islam got, gets passed down from generation to generation. It's a miracle. But subhanAllah, you have such a hard time for people to make it out, to attend. A small kindergarten graduation in a backyard with popsicles and some Domino's pizza will get you 100 people in your backyard. A small little 8th grade graduation will get you 200. And if it's a high school, get you 400. It's college graduation, four years of spending and getting a bachelor's, will get you more than that. And I was thinking, subhanAllah, something, this is not one family's graduation. This is a, 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 a collective achievement of the ummah and a sign of the mercy of Allah Azza wa Jalla upon us that this is something we're witnessing. It's so hard for people to come. What is happening? And nothing happening besides the shayateen from the humans and the shayateen from the jinn making people busy with everything else but the deen. Just come listen to this. Come watch over there. Let's come have tea over here. Let's, come, let's go for this and let's go for that. Anything but just don't put your foot into the masjid. Don't step in the masjid, sit in a gathering of ilm. Because if you go there, you'll change. And we don't like change. We want to keep the status quo. You're going to change. I remember one person, he was so honest with me. I don't come to i'tikaf. He said, I'm scared. I said, why? He said, I'm scared if I come, I'm going to change. I said, isn't that a good thing? He said, no, but after Eid, I have a lot of friends. And I have a lot of relatives. And they're all far away from Islam. How am I going to mingle with them if I change? So you say, I know, that's why I can't. I know Ramadan and I'tikaf is great. Going to the masjid is great. But I'm afraid I'm going to change. This is how shaitan can deceive, peace, deceive us, and deceive the ummah. So this is what these people do. They stop people from Allah Azza wa Jal's deen. Because they are dhalin mudillin. Not only are they astray, but they lead others astray. They are, they are leading other people astray. Just to come here for the tafsir, what jihad al-akbar you have to do? How many things you think have every week, time comes on Tuesday, you're like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. But then this distraction, that distraction, this distraction, that something from this side, from that side. That's why Allah says, fitna. Indeed, your wealth and your children are a test. Sometimes your spouse and your children may act as an enemy. Be careful. Meaning anything that distracts you from your commitment to the deen is a fitna and a test. You have to be able to avoid that. It's an obstacle course laid out by Allah Azza wa Jal in the form of an attractive child, attractive uh, wife, spouse, husband, whatever, parents, job, manager. How when a person has to go somewhere, he said, I'm done. 
My wife's waiting me to see. It's on our anniversary. Khalas, you want me to stay in the home or not? I don't care about work. How do a person makes a commitment like that? Well, at least, you know, that, that's how commit, we should be committed to the family. Similarly, committed to the deen. That this is my Tuesday nights is my dars day. This is when I show up to the masjid. Nothing is going to stop me. When a person makes that commitment, then shaitan also says, oh, let me go try to, he wants easy targets. He's also the clock. He's looking at the clock. He only has got time till the day of judgment. He doesn't want to put his resources against people. He has to put a lot of effort into. He wants low-lying fruit. Low-lying fruit are people who are fickle-minded. That's what a reality. They're fickle-minded. Why Umar radiallahu anhu? Why must shaitan used to run away from him? From amongst the one of many things is he knew exactly what he wanted to do. Azam, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to get stopped. I don't care if the world goes against me. I don't care. This is, this is what I'm going to do. Because I'm not, I'm not running for a popularity contest. Not Mr. Universe here. No. I got to do what's right. So shaitan says, it's not worth it. The amount of time we're going to try to deceive Umar, we could get another 100,000 people. Or more. Million people. So what is something that is really powerful that you and I need to ask Allah for? Is azam. What is it? Azam. What's azam? Determination. Determination. When you are determined to do something, then shaitan also says, forget it. I'm not going to waste my time. I promise you, this is how the reality is. So people talk about nadar and ayn and sihr and this, that. Yes, that's all those reality of that stuff is true. But you need to have awesome to say, I don't care. You can do all the shaitani stuff to me. I'm not stopping. I am going to go all the way till death. And if Allah wishes me to die, come into the Tuesday tafsir, then it is what it is. I'm not giving, like that, I'm giving an example. I'm going to study ilm. I am going to have my kids study ilm. I am going to give, I mean, to spend in the path of Allah and establish some institution. You make the decision. And from there, he's looking, he's like, ah, this guy is a tough cookie. We're not going to mess with him. We'll try to see later on when he doesn't do a dhikr or dua, we'll attack him. But right now, he's, he's talking a lot. He's, he's very committed. So let's just move on. That's what I'm trying to say. So I ask Allah to grant you and I azam. Say ameen. And ask Allah for this. Ask Allah Azza wa to give you and I firm resolve on standing up to do what's right. Stop being wishy-washy. Many students ask them, you want to study the deen? Oh, it's my mom and dad. Make dua, man. Oh, they didn't even say make dua. They'll just say, oh, we can't study because of our parents. Or they'll say, we can't continue our studying because of our parents. I'm like, don't blame your parents for stuff that you yourself are at fault with. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Well, you haven't made a determination. If you made a determination to do something, your parents can't stop you. Because why? Allah Azza wa He controls the hearts. Your parents don't even control their heart. You don't even control your heart. Allah controls the hearts. Indeed, Allah Azza wa Jal, He controls the hearts. He may turn them in any direction He wishes. That's it. You start your Salat al-Hajjah. You start giving Sadaqah. Start fasting and saying, oh Allah, I want to study. Remove obstacles. Someone says, I want to study by my... I have to convince my spouse to, give, to reduce my hours at work and start studying. I want to convince my spouse for us to st- move to the to near the madrasa from another state and relocate so that we can both study etc etc but my wife doesn't agree my husband doesn't agree my father doesn't agree my mother mother doesn't agree brother you haven't made that decision i haven't made this decision that's the reality when you and i have made that decision no one in the world can stop us that's the yaqeen you have to have who's there a person cannot control how many times he inhales and exhales how many times he uses the bathroom how many times he blinks his eye you telling me he's going to stop you from studying the deen Someone's going to stop you from going on the path of Allah Azza Someone can stop you from doing XYZ. No one can stop you anything. But the issue is we are not committed ourselves. 
When you make a commitment inside between you and Allah, Allah Azza wa will make the sun rise from the east. I mean, rise from the west. Set in the east. Anything can happen. Allah is qadir. Allah can do anything that He needs to, He wants to, in order to make sure things happen. What are the miracles about? Why are the stories of the miracles present? Why are the karamat and the miracles and the supernatural things that the Sahaba did, why are they present? To create yaqeen and conviction within us that Allah does. Allah can do anything He wants. Anything. Anything is anything. You simply have to make that commitment and then don't give up. Allah will treat you based on you what you expect from Him. This is a big problem of our ummah right now. Mulana Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi, great scholar, historian, amazing, like almost like a mujaddid of our era. One of the things that is attributed to him that he would say is In this era and age, it's not the issue of, not, of having an evil intention as much as an issue of having no intention. Wallahi, this is so true. People, you walk around, travel around the country and beyond, people have no himma, they have no goals. They have no commitment that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to my city and I'm going to do this. I'm going to go revive Islam in my community, my college, my masjid. Sometimes, subhanAllah, I'm speaking to people, I end up raising my voice. Like, everything okay? No, I said, I'm try- how am I supposed to knock sense into you? That you have everything it takes to save your community. But you simply need to start working. You simply need to put your foot down and say, khalas, from tonight, not tomorrow, tonight. I am going to get to work on this. And that means maybe do a'tikaf in the masjid tonight. And say, Allah, I have made an azam and I need your help to, to allow this. When you have ulul himma, when you have a very high commitment and resolve to do something, biqadr al-himma, biqadr al-azima, ta'ti al-ma'una. This is one of the sayings. The, with, uh, with the stronger conviction, or we should say equivalent to the level of conviction you have, the help of Allah will come. Equivalent to the level of conviction you have, the, level, uh, the help of Allah come. How do we have 67-year-olds becoming Hafid al-Qur'an? How? How do you have 72-year-olds doing the Alim program? How do you have, subhanAllah, uh, you know, I just saw a clip uh, that someone who, is, who used to sell bananas in Karachi, bananas, just a few years ago, became a, one of the software engineers and then created one of the most, what's that, 360 app? Is that what it's called? Islam 360, right? Over 1 billion downloads in Ramadan of one of his portions of that, if I understood correctly. But he was selling bananas. How did that happen? You know, the help of Allah will come not when you sit on your lower end, back end, and say, bring me a new bag of potato chips. <laughs> the help of Allah is not going to come like that. Go in your dad's, in your basement, and, and play games all night. Say, hey, where's the help of Allah? Help of Allah doesn't come like that. Help of Allah is coming. You get to the drawing board. You start saying, okay, what should we do? Take up a project. Do something. Each of you or here, figure out how I'm going to help the kids in my neighborhood. How I'm going to help my own kids. How I'm going to help the, or, you know, some, take anything. Ramadan is here. I mean, sorry, Eid al Adha is coming. So many opportunities for us. Do you know how many people, subhanAllah, don't give udhaya? Right now, one of my classmates, he called me from overseas. He said, you know, there's so much need here. Starvation and food and whatnot. People, it's lack of food, lack of resources, a huge drought that happened. And he's like, to sacrifice a cow, like the cost of a cow is $450. $450 is an entire cow. SubhanAllah, $50 for a goat. How, what, you know, for example, you find Indonesia, Africa, uh, Malaysia, wherever. You go see, okay, there's people in India, Pakistan doing stuff. You could make a commitment to say, I've got no, I don't need, it's, nothing about, it's not about making money. It's about delivering food to people who don't have and inspiring people to give who don't usually give. 
So let me make this campaign. So I'm gonna go get money from people who don't do udhiyah. And who don't sacrifice. Say, khalas, you don't have to do anything. Just write this check to so-and-so organization. I will take care of it. Or I'll send you videos of it even being slaughtered. No problem. For example, I'm giving you an example of something small. You could, in this blessed nights and days of Dhul Hijjah, you could make that commitment. That I want to, inshallah, do something khair, something good. When you make that niyyah, Allah Azza wa Jal will, will come through to assist you. So what we are seeing here is, the disbelievers will try their best and the, and the kuffar and the shayateen from the humans and the jinn will try to stop you from Allah's path. You can't cave in. You have to remain committed. And you say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept that. Next, masjid al-haram, they'll stop you from the house of Allah. That's what they did in, uh, when Hudaybiyah was signed, when the treaty of Hudaybiyah took place. Why was that? Because they would not allow, the, the, the sahaba are seeing like Makkah is right there, kilometers away. They came in ihram and they, they, had, they, had not, they had been exiled for many years now, six years from Makkah to Makarramah or more, depending on when they migrated. And they were really hoping that they could go. That's why they, they didn't just get on a flight, on a 12-hour flight. They traveled through weeks, weeks through the desert. And now the Meccans are saying, no, you cannot come. It was very painful. And Allah Azawajal eventually asked them to you know, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi eventually signed the contract with them. Hudaybiyah took place and they, they were in the sixth year, uh, were allowed to come back the following year, in seventh year to come perform Umratul Qada. But Masjid al-Haram, they were, they, were, they were staff from the Masjid al-Haram. Okay, why is Masjid al-Haram called Masjid al-Haram? So there is, masjid, there is Ka'batullah, then there's the Masjid al-Haram, then there's the Mash'ar al-Haram, and then there's the Shahr al so Kaaba is the most sacred. Kaaba is not the name of the cube. Kaaba is not the name of the cube box. Rather, Kaaba is the location, the footprint. Is that's what it is. That's why in a hotel or in an airplane, you make you make niya and you pray towards the Kaaba. That even though the hotel may be higher than the Kaaba plane, of course higher. What are you making? Where are you? Where is your head pointed towards? The air or the atmosphere above the Kaaba? Because that is the entire thing is Kaaba. And you keep on going all the way up into the heavens, then they will meet up with Baytul Ma'mur. That is the Kaaba of the angels, right above the, Ka- the Kaabatullah. So this is the sacred, sacred place. And even when, before the day of judgment, when the Kaaba will be broken down, Ibadah will continue to take place. So the first place that was built, Allah Azza wa says for the Ibadah, Indeed, the very first house that was built for the benefit of the people to do ibadah in was Bibakka, which was in the old name of Makkah was Bakka. It was in Bakka. Mubarakan, it was a very blessed house. Meaning this home or ibadah place was established by Adam salam. Actually before that by angels, then by Adam salam. And in different eras, constructions and reconstructions took place even after the um, flood of Nuh then Ibrahim came and with his son built it again then during the time of the Prophet and after that as well so Allah has made this Baytul Masjid Haram a place for Ibadah now this is our markaz all the nur the jelly of Allah's nur is happening on this Kaaba from there it's spreading to all different masajid so it's a place where a person goes and sits in front of it. You will feel his heart drenched in the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Allah would not make you leave your home, leave your spouse, leave your kids, leave your elderly parents, leave your job and business, and travel for such a far distance if He was going to let you go back home empty-handed. The Kaaba and the ziyarah in the form of Hajj and Umrah is to allow you to come back packed with goods. With, what are the goods? What are the gifts? The gifts of forgiveness, the gifts of mercy of Allah, the gifts of nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we'll see that when a person prays in his salah, prays salah in his own home, distractions may happen. When a person fasts in his own home, issues may arise of, of, of focus. When a person gives sadaqah in his own place, maybe not able to be as sincere. But that same person when he goes to the haram, when he prays there, subhanAllah, what type of salah that is in front of the Kaaba? When he gives sadaqah, that type of sincerity dripping from the people. The type of dua you see people making, begging. They couldn't get up for Fajr or Dhuhr before. They couldn't even go for Jummah when they were back at home. Now you see them crying in front of the Kaaba, and you say, wow, this must be one of the awliya of the world. He had so many major flaws, so many major mistakes and sins, but something happens when he enters the haram. That it's something overtakes him. Yeah, what is there? It's something in the air. It is truly the nur of Allah descending upon there. A person is tired, he's thirsty, he's hungry, he's got to go to the bathroom, but he doesn't want to stop his tawaf. Breakfast is ending, who cares? I got to go for my tawaf. It's 12 o'clock. Have you ever seen the people who, who make tawaf at the time of Dhuhr? 110, 112, 116 degree temperature. Sun is right above them, like mad men in love. Mad men and mad women just going around. Dragging their feet, moving, one, two, three. Each tawaf, of course, or each tawaf, seven shot, seven rounds. Going again and again. What is that? That's junoon. That's madness in love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That same individual had a hard time guarding his gaze from haram. Had a hard time from staying away from intoxicants. But now he's forgotten everything. His whole life revolves around the haram. He's awake at 2.30 a.m., 2 a.m., knocking on your door. Wake up, let's go, let's go to the... We gotta make it to the front row. We gotta make it to the haram. We gotta make it to the Riyadh al-Jannah. What is all this? There's something special there that you can't find anywhere else. Many times people say, brother, du'as are accepted everywhere. Why do we have to go for the haram? No, I'm sorry. You're mistaken. Haram is different. Haram is separate. Allah Azawajal says, Mubaraka. Haram is Mubarak. There's nothing else that can match that. If a person can't go, you don't have the means, you make dua here tonight at this masjid, inshallah, Allah will give you great rewards and ajr, and Allah will give you what you couldn't get because you don't have the means to go. Don't worry about that. But someone has the means, he should go. Definitely, as much as possible. Once in five years at least. And go and visit. Get rid of that Florida vacation. Get rid of that Hawaii vacation. Get rid of the other thing, wherever else you're going. Save it. And say, we're going to go and go on a spiritual vacation to the haram. Because there is something special there. Where a person's salah and ibadah and sadaqah and every single thing, the quality of it improves. And a person feels that he has a special connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wal Masjid al-Haram. So what you see is the Kaaba is surrounded by Masjid al-Haram. And then it's surrounded by Mash'al al-Haram. And now it's Ashar al-Haram. Meaning four levels. A sacred house surrounded in a sacred masjid, surrounded in a sacred precinct, and then in the sacred months. You have Dhul Qa'da, Dhul Hijjah, and then you have the uh, Muharram. So you, ha you have all of these, subhanAllah, and Rajab separately, that are the Ashar al-Hurum. 
these sacred months. What is the sacred aspect about it? That a person is not supposed to commit a sin that he otherwise would have done elsewhere. And it's added sin. Let's talk about the months. So there is hurma, there's sacredness in a place and there's sacredness in a time. Sacredness in a place we just talked about. The, the Kaaba is sacred in place. Masjid uh, al-Haram is sacred in place. Masjid al-Haram, the ex- external precinct is also sacred in place. And then you have sacred time, which is the Ashur al-Hurum. What the sacred, sacred aspect of the um, place is, that you're not going to do things which you would be allowed to do elsewhere. Like hunting, uh, plucking, uh, you know, uh, uprooting fruits and uprooting trees and killing animals. Um, and someone who you, ha- you were at war with. And the Arabs had s- such an understanding of this that if they were to find someone who had killed their father in, the, in Masjid al-Haram, they'd say, hands off, we can't. We'll wait till he gets out from here. He's committed such a crime, we're looking for him. But if he has taken refuge in Masjid al-Haram, we can't do anything. That's why when Nabi sallallahu entered Masjid al-Haram, and this was the norm. They went, those people who were trying to run away, what did they do? They went and they grabbed the Khilaf of the Kaaba. We're here, khalas. We're, we're saved. We've come to home base or whatever they call it in the different games, right? That now you can't, you can't touch me. I'm here. There was this whole aspect that Kaaba is sacred. Even the kuffar, they understood that. Kaaba is sacred. You can't, if you, I may have done whatever outside, but you cannot kill me while I'm here. So that's what it means, a sacred space. And a sacred time means that you can be at war for, the, for 11 months or, or 100 months. But when it comes to those four sacred months, war must stop. And they, 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 they followed that. You know what happens? Sometimes you war between two tribes, between two countries, and sometimes between the spouses. It starts off with something simple and small, and then it exasperates and it just becomes a huge, massive battle. Again, not only between tribes and countries, but between spouses. Now you're one year in, and you ask themselves, you ask them, but what was the issue in the first place? What was the argument about? And they don't even know. Petty, petty things, petty things. If the judges in court is the lawyers out there, and the imams, and the family, all told every single guy and girl who wants to divorce, hey, you're not. Uh Uh-uh. We're going to sit here till Fajr time. You're going to go inside the house. We're not eating, we're not drinking until you all resolve this issue. I am sure a good massive 50% plus of marriages could be saved. But when everyone has a big, your hungry lions are waiting to eat from the loot, then what are you going to do? Everyone, the, the lions are the shayateen from the humans, the shayateen from the jinn. Everyone's out there to say, no, break, break it, leave her, leave her, leave her, leave him, leave him, leave him. And that's all they say. You go to the therapist, you, I can't believe it. Why didn't you leave him 10 years ago? Why are you still with him? The psychiatrist, psychologist, the, the, the lawyer, the, the imam, the community. No one wants to sit there and say, let's try to work it out. Let's make things work out. Instead, everyone is trying to say, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for the limousine out of the house. We didn't, we didn't care about the limousine going in. But now you need help packing, we'll send the U-Haul. Take care of us, get out. I, I'm not exaggerating. This is exactly what our community has become now. Any issue... You'll find everyone willing to. If, I need a, if, if there's a student of knowledge here who needs a place to sleep, you'll have a hard time finding a place to sleep tonight for him. But someone says, oh, I had an argument with my husband. 
No problem. Three houses will be open. Four houses will be open. Someone's had an argument with my wife. Khalas, come through. Ajab, hey, come, come. Dinner on us for the next week. Just come. Wait, what's going on? Let's go figure it out. No. We're not, as a community, we're not going to allow this. I'll bring five people, six people. We're going to sit down in the living room. We're going to lock these doors. They're not going anywhere. Resolve the issue. What's the issue? Act like men and women. Stop acting like kids. Small issues. I mean it. It's like small little petty issues. And they call, they're saying done with the marriage. You know why? The nafs comes in. Who is willing to say, Alright, khalas, I'm going to pull out the white flag of truce. That takes a man to do that. To say, I was wrong. I apologize. I'm sorry. You need to, have, you need to be someone to do that. And the issue is today, the nafs has become so big, no one is willing to say, I'm sorry, first. And that's what you need. You need someone to take the, front step, or take the first step and to say, this is junk, nonsense, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I'll, let's, let's fix this issue. Then inshallah, they'll soften up. But if both of them are playing, what do you call this game? These games, what is this? These Russian, what's, isn't that what they're called? With, huh? A Russian roulette, is that what it is? Where you just, you're, you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, two cars going at each other. It's like, we're not, we're not, we're not going to move away from each other. Let's see who's got the ability to, to, uh, to go to the last and move out to the other lane. Huh? Chicken? Yeah, exactly, right? That's, that's what people are doing today. He says, no, I'm not going to cave in. I'm not. Let's, let, let's wait till what she says. Why are you going to court? We're going to say, no, no, this is it. So the nafs comes in. Subhanallah, ulama have written that that's why Ashur al-Hurum came in. That these tribes would be fighting senselessly. And now no one wants to put the swords down. Because why? Nakkategi. Right? We're going to lose our uh, name. By you losing a hundred lives a month. You don't care about that? You're worried about your honor? A'udhu billah. Come on. Like, be sensible. But nope. So that's where Ashr al-Hurum would come. And it would force them to stop fighting. And then get a taste of what peace, peace was. I say, man, a couple months of peace. This is nice. We don't have to worry about bloodshed. We don't have to worry about the enemy. This is a very nice life. So Ashr al-Hurum was a way, the months of, 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 of Hurum were a way to force the Arabs to get a taste of peace without any one of them having to compromise their so-called honor. Got it? Because this idea of, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the dishonored one by, by forgiving, or rather asking for forgiveness. It's okay. You are also a winner, and you are also a winner. You can't fight now because it's Ashur al-Hurum. So this is what we need to do. We need to create Ashur al-Hurum and Haram in the houses. People need to come in and say, nope, we will not allow you to fight. We will, uh, we, this has to stop. On what basis are you sitting there acting tit for tat? You know like tough love. People who have authority, moms and dads, need to come in. But what happens? Every mom and dad, even if you know your child is right, for the sake of the argument to save the marriage, go the other side and say, no, khalas, you need to keep quiet. Because you know why? No son-in-law, daughter-in-law are not going to listen to their in-laws. If there's any sense someone's going to listen, it's going to be, this. if there's a chance, it'll be a child listening to their parents. So now, if imagine how marriage would be if every mom and dad told their daughter and son, hey, you keep quiet. Don't you think you're coming to our house? The door is closed. You are going to sit here, we're going to help you fix this thing. But don't think we have your back. Because we didn't get you married just so you, for you to get divorced in three weeks or three years. What do you think? This is, a, you know, this is not a play. Because once you get a habit, then it just becomes a habit. 
One divorce, second divorce, the third divorce. Yes, definitely there's instances where some major problem happens. And when you find out the reality of a person that you weren't know, and it's a reality that cannot be changed, and a person is not even remorseful, doesn't want to repent, there are cases, most definitely. But that's not what's happening today. If I'm dealing with cases where people don't even know why they're getting divorced. I promise you. Like, why? Have you already lost $50,000 in lawyer fees and more? But where did this go? Why? I don't have an answer. It's just started a year ago. We don't remember. We went to a wedding, something, and then after that, on the way back, we had an argument. Thus, the rest is history. So why are we doing this to your children? Why, what, you know, what is the reason, what do the reason the kids have to, have to uh, argue about? Subhanallah. You know, recently I had a chance to visit Alaska to give some talks. We went to a small place, a preservation, and they had um, uh, some grizzly bears. We got a chance to, it just so happened, I was sitting in the car leaving, and a, you know, a fight broke out, which looked like to us to a fight. But subhanallah, what was very powerful was there was a third grizzly who was not in part of it. You should just see, it was a smaller one. You should just see the face of this one. And our brother was next to me, you know, he commented on this, and it really hit me. So just look at this, the fear of, that was on the face of that other grizzly, the smaller one. Allahu Akbar, immediately he said, this is what happens to children when they see the parents fighting. Even a small grizzly. He's no small, by the way, he can molest to death, all of us sitting here. The little one was, yeah, I need 300 pound, 400 pound little one. Right? We must, but you could see, genuinely see parishan. Like the guy was so worried that what's happening over here, this big fight. And he was just running away, cowering into the corner. He's a big grizzly, but cowering into the corner. That, when that statement the brother told me, it hit me in the heart. I said, SubhanAllah, that's exactly true. When parents are sitting there fighting with each other, what is it doing to the little kids? What is it doing? It's ruining them for life. The scars that is being placed upon them. So we have to really grow up and understand that there's many forms of you know, child abuse. And one of them is to give them the trauma of, 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 of men and women acting like kids. Yeah, kids argue for useless things. We see that all the time. Alhamdulillah, at home. Useless things, we see them argue. But as adults, grown, mature men and women who can't be doing this. So when they start acting like this, it's the responsibility of the parents, responsibility of responsible community people who they respect to come in and to say, this cannot continue. We cannot allow this trend of, of divorce to um, you know, ruin, create havoc in our homes. So, so we need to create what? A haram is what I was talking about. Masjid al-Haram and the Haram Ashur al-Haram were places where these, uh, this, this sin, would, the fighting would stop and people will begin to taste the enjoyment of peace and calm. When husband and wife will start enjoying, the, once, they start, once they taste the sweetness of peace and calmness, subhanAllah, they'll say, wow, this is so much better than daily bickering and fighting every single day. Now what is this Masjid al-Haram that they're stopping people from? Allah says, we have made the Masjid al-Haram same and equal access to everyone. No one can claim full authority over it to say, no, this is only for the people of Makkah. That is why when you enter Masjid al-Haram, you're not supposed to feel that you are in a specific country. You are in like an, you know, you are in a no man's land. This is a place where is everyone's land. It's a place where everyone feels home. And that's how it's supposed to be. That you go there, you feel that you're not being judged by anything. You don't have people of only one specific color, one specific language. MashaAllah, you see the whole globe. You see the whole world. Every ethnicity. Right? And people getting along, spending time, enjoying their time in the haram. That's how it's supposed to be. What a beautiful 
description of the Quran Allah has given. That the Masjid al-Haram is a place which we have made equal, right, for all people, regardless of whether they're Aqif. Aqif are those who dwell there, who live there. Walbadi and the ones who are uh, visiting. Whoever intends irada, if you even intend ilhad to deviate from the true deen and to commit a sin by being blasphemous, by being profane, Nudhiqu bin Adab bin Ali will make him taste a most poor, painful torment. This ayah is unique in that the status of the haram has been highlighted that other places you will get punishment after committing the sin and not being forgiven. But the haram is a place that a person will get punished simply for even intending to commit a sin. If you intended to commit a sin and you use the meat, you're getting the means together and then the police came and stopped you or something else, then this, is, this itself is worthy of punishment by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why many of the scholars and the, uh, uh, the ulama of the past were very careful that they would rather stay outside of the precinct of the haram and come regularly to the haram instead of living there. For the fear that living there for such a long period of time would, would, would end up becoming a means of them without them realizing committing something which would be regarded as disrespectful. Because the haram is a place that you're supposed to stay away from things that you do outside. Like what? When you're ihram, you can't wear sewn clothing. You, cannot, you don't wear clo- is, uh, colored sewn clothing. You don't, wear, you don't use a comb. You don't use, uh, you don't use oil. You don't use scented uh, soaps. You don't use itar and cologne. All in the state of ihram. You don't have relations. All these things are there. Which are 100% halal outside. But rather even encouraged. But in the haram, during the state of ihram, you don't do that. So when things that are permissible are also become impermissible in the haram, then what about impermissible things like listening to haram, watching haram, thinking of haram, eating haram? Imagine how much more sinful that will become. So shaitan knows that. Shaitan knows how beautiful the haram is. You go to the haram, you're going to come back changed. Shaitan knows that this is the place where the tajalli of Allah is coming, where the nur of Allah is descending. And where even a, a, a desire to sin will get you into big trouble. So what has shaitan done? Has made the ulama have said that the reason Allah Azza wa chose possibly one of the wisdoms where Allah chose Kaaba to be in wadin ghayri zara in a valley that has no vegetation. Why? I mean, you could look at the mountains of the Rocky Mountains, look at the Appalachian Mountains, look at the Swiss Alps, beautiful. You look at the you look at the the, the, the mountains of, of Mecca, boy, they're burnt, right? They're burnt. There's no streams flowing there. Mashallah, in Alaska, we saw these beautiful glaciers melting right off the road. Water coming in, we just drank from that water and did wudu in the water. Fresh. You don't see that in Mecca. You don't see green vegetation. You don't see amazing, beautiful animals roaming around the mountains. They're hard, burnt mountains. It's just such a harshness to them. No vegetation. This is thousands of years ago. No vegetation at all. No living human being would ever want to come there. And that's where Allah Azawajal decided to make us, that's where He chose for the Kaaba to be. Why? Why not in a beautiful place? And the ulama say, to make sure that the ones who come to the house of Allah are only the most sincere ones. There's nothing there. There's no vacationing. There's no seir or tafrih. There's no business. There's, I mean, there's nothing there. You're only there for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's a long journey to get there. So once you get there, even before you enter, you've, you've already been cleansed of your sins. 
And now you come there with a clean empty slate and you just pour in and take in the nur of Allah Azza wa Jal and the tajalliyat and the rahmah and the fayood of Allah Azza wa Jal. That's what it was. That the Kaaba was a place that, that was no one would want to go there unless he really wanted Allah. So that's why you'll see in these verses of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how special this place is and that people come from far and wide. But I'm saying today, shaitan is not only stopping us from attending gatherings of knowledge and dhikr and dua and tafsir and hadith and, and so forth in our own communities, but even the haram. He tries to make haram difficult for people. I w I'm shocked. People, subhanAllah, recently I heard someone is like, oh, you know, physicians, husband and wife in a small town, Allahu Alam, you know, in their 70s, they're about to retire. And Allahu Alam, how much subhanAllah Allah has given them in terms of wealth for decades. And so I heard this like, oh, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go, you know, for the first time for our umrah. I'm like, subhanAllah. You know, I mean, Hajj would have been fard three decades ago, four decades ago. And now people, subhanAllah, are thinking they'll go for umrah now. Shaitan makes people go to India, Pakistan. In Malaysia, Indonesia, right over Hijaz, not once are they thinking, let me take a stop and buy, let me do my Hajj, or let me at least do for Umrah for now on this trip. So that's how he creates the And then those who make it out there, now distraction that you never have over here, you have over there. You've never stayed, how many of you stay in five star hotels? Few of us maybe. Most of us don't. We stay, whether there's any of these brand names or what? Three star. Who stays in a five star hotel? Who's paying 400, 500 a night? You pay 70, 80, look on Priceline, try to find something cheap. Nice, but cheap. No one's paying six, seven hundred. No one's expecting that. I'm just giving an example. What do you have for breakfast? You grab a bagel and you go. You don't have 46 items for breakfast. Right? Then you don't have, uh, you know, uh, you're not surrounded. No one lives in a mall. No one stays in a mall. Not just a normal cheap mall, but a mall that's got the most expensive designer wear, brand names. So what's happening? A person comes, even from America, he's sitting there like, wow. I've never seen anything like this. So now the salah, instead of praying in the masjid, he ends up praying in his room. And many times even misses it. Right? And then if he goes, every single time he goes to the haram, how many things is he looking at? Where is his eyes are falling upon? Allahu Akbar. Ghafla, 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 ghafla. He forgets where he is. He forgets, he forgets why he came. As soon as salah finishes, back to shopping. Pray salah in the elevator and back to shopping. Ajib. Ajib system. While doing the Kaaba, people are looking at somewhere else, looking at a clock. Not looking at the phone in their hands or a clock in their hands. Gotta look up. You'll see marveling, taking pictures of that. What has happened? Shaitan has truly created this place. I really am tell you that a person who goes to the haram, it's like you're going into a maze. You know, the gold is there, but you have to go through the maze successfully. It might take you hours and hours and hours before you get to the gold pot. Just because you win for Hajj and Umrah does not mean you will get hold of that gold pot of fuel of Allah Azza wa Jal, Rahmah of Allah Azza wa Jal. Because there's so many, so many, so many, so many layers of obstacles. This is why I highly recommend anyone who's going and who will go in the future, please go with ulama who have, who have an understanding of these things and who will be your guides not to say okay this is the hotel this is the Kaaba no 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 please help unveil all of this for me remove 
the veils that do not allow me to see the nur of Allah If we don't have ulama and guides to tell us to guard your gazes from looking at haram, to keep your eyes, you know, guard your gaze, guard your gaze. Don't waste time in marketplaces. Don't waste your time in the hotel. Stay as much as your time outside. You know, what you call anything shopping you want to do, spend some only two, three hours for it. Set a time. Have your list. Quickly, quickly go knock it out. Try your best to stay outside of the bazaar. Enter your hotel room if possible through. Out a place where you don't have to go through the marketplace. Get a hotel that's even a little bit further away but not connected to the marketplace. These are things that scholars will guide you on. But when a person doesn't do that, what happens? In It becomes a, a vacation in the name of Umrah and Hajj. And the sad part is when you go for vacation for anywhere else in the world, you don't think you went on a spiritual vacation. You're like, man, we went for vacation. We missed our salah with jama'ah most of the time. We missed it here, a day of prayers. Whatever. Let me make Tawbah and let me go, you know, let me try to make, the, I came back and now I'm going to fast for Arafat, I'm going to fast in the 10 days of the Hijjah. You want to make up for it? How many people come back from Umrah and Hajj thinking they came back sinful? They say, no, we came back conquering the world. But no, you didn't conquer the world. If you went and did not watch your gaze, did not watch your time, did not watch what you eat. We're so careful here. Most of us here sitting here, we're very careful about eating certified halal meat. Especially in Chicago. Right? Alhamdulillah. We have, we not, we, many of, there's differences of opinion when it comes to um, a machine slaughter meat. We stay away, try to stay away from it because you know what? It's, it's not something, that, it's a big thing. It's about what you're putting in your, ma- in, your, in your body. And the quality of, look at how careful you are if you're driving a, a $300,000 car, you're not going to go drive to the other end of town and get some cheap gas. No, you won't do that. You'll pay, you buy premium. Premium, wherever it is. Because you're driving a $200,000, $100,000 car. You're not going to cheap it cheapen it by putting in uh, what you call cheaper gas you're going to put the expensive one well, I hope you regard your body and your soul more expensive and more valuable than a $100,000 car food is your gasoline the quality of the food means the quality of what comes out of that body the more halal, the more wholesome the more clean the better the good, the good deeds we, we spend a whole time, we, we spend a whole section on that in reading Surah Al-Mu'minun, last surah. كُلُوا مِنَ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَعَمَلُوا صَالِحًا Eat from the pure things and do good deeds. Why did Allah bring this back to back? Because when you eat good, when you eat good, you'll be motivated to do good. So if we are p- careful of eating hand-slaughtered chicken and hand-slaughtered beef and all these other things over here, we never ate at McDonald's, we never ate at Hardee's. If you're going for Umrah and Hajj, brother, just make supper. Two weeks, pack some, pack some meat and take it with you if you really need to. But be careful. Be careful. If ever, do you know exactly where everything is being slaughtered? Allahu A'lam. So this is what we're speaking about. When you have, when we go for Umrah and Hajj, we become even more lax than we are when over here. How many people sit there gawking at women in a masjid? But now you're in Masjid Al-Haram. Women are all over. So now what's going to happen? Imagine, you see, and what does the ayah say? وَمَنْ يُرِدْ فِيهِ Even if you simply intend to do a sin, we'll make you taste a horrible, t- painful torment. So this is something, much can be said on this, but I've given you some main pointers to understand that haram has spe- always been a special place, is a special place. However, now, it's, it's like layered. You have to unpeel the layers to get to the real stuff. So understand that when you go in. If you sit there just looking at all the people doing tawaf, more than likely you're never going to get to the real meat. You're just going to get caught in doing other things. If you're going to be on your phone, WhatsApping, texting, Instagramming, taking videos of the adhan and posting it like no one has ever seen the haram. Right? 
then you're not going to get what you got there, what you went there for. All of this is bakwas, waste of time. Distractions, distractions, all of this. There's no reason for us to be involved in that. Uh, use the time to connect with Allah Azza wa Jal and make repent, tawbah, dua, and so forth. And any time that in temptation for sin comes in, stay away from it. Stay away from it. Say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem. Understand that those who are going to the haram, now they they are going to be under even a bigger attempt from shaitan to mislead them. Because he knows if they come here and they change, oh, they will change forever. And they will change their lives of the family members as well. So let me send him back home unchanged. And then anytime you tell them, brother, what's wrong? Brother, please, I've been there, done that. Man, what do you think? Umrah, what a, what a bigger thing you going to tell me? Umrah, Hajj, been there, I've been two, twice. Now what are you going to tell me? You say, oh my God, what am I going to say? So this is the thing, to create this feeling of been there, done that, and I, I'm, I haven't changed. I'm not going to change. This is who I am. The reason you haven't changed or I haven't changed is because we haven't spent our time properly. That's what it is. Ibrahim. For behold, we established, bawa'na established for Ibrahim salam, makan al-bayti, the place of the holy house in Makkah. Saying to him, Allah tushrik bi shay'a, do not associate anything with me. Wa tahir baytiya. Tahir means purify. Baytiya, my house. For those who circle around it in my worship. For those who bow down. Sorry, no. Uh, those who stand. Stand. And those who bow down. And those who bow their faces down in the ground in prayer. Four things. Those who do tawaf. So the, guy, the person who's doing tawaf is searching. You're standing and, and looking at it. You found something. You're getting closer. You put your head down. This is the order. You're trying to find Allah. You're trying to find Allah's mercy. You're going round and round, round and round, round and round, trying to find it. Tawafa yatufu, doing tawaf. And then now you found it, you stand looking at it. Rukka, you get closer. Sajda, you put your head down. The closest you are to, be, to Allah is when you're in the state of sujood. Allah Azza is saying that this is my status I'm giving to those people. Ibrahim alayhi salam. Not only did we give him a, this beautiful Makkaba and told him not to commit shirk, but we told him to make this place. Ibrahim salam is being told that make this place pure and clean for the future generations that are going to come. My dear volunteers of all masjids, my dear Ansar of all masjids, and <clears throat> patrons and donors of all masjids, remember, you are following in the footsteps of Ibrahim salam. If you make an effort to keep your masjid clean, if you make an effort to keep the parking lot in order. If you make an effort to clean the kitchen and the bathroom of the masjid, if you buy the cleaning supplies of the masjid, if you vacuum the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you mop the floor of the masjid, if you pick up garbage from the parking lot of the masjid, if you try to fix and make it presentable, have some oud, some itar, uh, some, uh, something nice and smelling, good smell, clean up the place, make it presentable, wherever. Let, let me, when, the, when people come to the house of Allah, they should feel that they're in a beautiful, uplifting place. All of those brothers and sisters across the globe who are volunteers of the masjids, you are following the footsteps of Ibrahim salam, And you are going to be getting huge rewards insha'Allah. You should regard yourself as a special jama'ah and the special group who Allah is addressing and who Allah has chosen to keep His house beautiful, presentable, and clean. My beloved brothers and sisters, I want you to make this effort. Please, whether your management understands this or not, who cares? You do it. This is your love for the deen of Allah, the masjid of Allah, the house of Allah. I want our mothers and sisters who are listening to me, take ownership of your local masjids. 
Take ownership of your local masjids. Wallahi, it hurts me to see when I travel masjids in such despicable state. If the bathrooms are dirty and clean, if then forget the forget the committee. Say, well, we'll take care of it. Would you allow your own house to be in this state? Why are we allowing the house of Allah Azza wa to be in this despicable state? Take responsibility. Bring your family. Spend the weekend cleaning. Yes, twenty dollars worth of supplies. Go say sons, daughters. How how blessed those families will be, who Allah uses them to go clean their local masjid. Bring the women. Bring the children. And say, this is what we're gonna do this weekend. We're gonna scrub the floors. We're gonna clean the kitchen. We're gonna clean the bathrooms. Do it after hours. Do it between Fajr and Dhuhr when there's no one there. You don't need to announce it. You don't need to tell it to anyone. But mashallah, when you do that, you're gonna be cleaning your heart. You're gonna be cleaning your heart. Thank Allah for giving you the tawfiq. So go to our local masjids and see that they, their parking lots, their outsides, the gardening is messed up. Whatever it is, take care of it. Beautify the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't just say, write the check. No, because there's many people, unfortunately, who don't have time to do anything with your check. Right? They're not going to do anything with it. You go yourself. Water the, water the garden. I wish, I wish our own, uh, what you call, uh, grass over here. I wish one of you would stood up and say, stand up and say, khalas, I'm going to water every day. Right? I wish, it really is, because it's, it's, it's dead. Everywhere is dead. There's not enough rain this season. But take ownership. That's what I'm trying to say. When you see something, you, why, who are you waiting for? This is your house. Your, this is your masjid. If you see something out of place, fix it. You see something dirty, clean it. Don't wait for anyone else. You see a light that's running, switch it off unnecessarily. A fan running, switch it off. The masjid should be more beloved to you than your house. You see something out of place and dirty, my brothers and sisters, roll up your sleeves and take care of it. This is your commitment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's deen. Allah then told Musa Ibrahim salam. Moreover, adhin, proclaim, make adhan, proclaim amongst the people, bil hajji, about the duty of the hajj. Your job is to give adhan. Ya Allah, there's no one here. I'm in Makkah, Wadin, Ghari, Vizar. Who's going to listen to me? There's no, there is no broadcasting system. Where are the people? Don't worry about it. Your job is to do what I'm telling you. I will bring the people. They will come to you. Rijalan on foot. Rijal does not mean men here. Rijal. No, this means on foot. Plural of Rajil. وَعَلَى كُلِّ ضَامِرٍ And they will come to you on every ضَامِر means a skinny, lean meaning a skinny, weak animal. Why did it become skinny? Because it's come from such a far distance, it's gotten skinny. It's traveling two months. A horse or a camel has been traveling for two months that it's lost all its fat. Because that means it's coming from a far distance. يَأْتِينَ مِنْ كُلِّ فَجْنَ عَمِيقٍ They shall come to you from every faraway passage. Ulama say that this is... Ibrahim made the call and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made these souls listen to the call of Ibrahim. And any soul that said labbaik, Allah will allow that soul to come for hajj. And if that soul said it twice labbaik, thrice labbaik, well, the three hajjah, four hajjahs, many hajjahs Allah has willed. So what do we learn from here? Go back to your community or in this community too, wherever you're here working, give the adhan. Give the adhan towards goodness. Give the adhan to make the most of these last, these first 10 days of the hijjah. Give the adhan to get people to come to the local masjid for Aisha, Fajr, Dhuhr. Don't worry. Your job is to invite. Your job is to tell your neighbor when you're, he's watering his garden to, Hey brother, Isha is in 20 minutes. Or Maghrib is in 20 minutes. Or Jum'ah is, is tomorrow. You want to go together? Our job is to give the adhan. And the turner of the hearts is Allah. That, don't worry about that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will turn the hearts. Our job is to give the adhan and inshallah it will happen. When they come for hajj, what they will, they will see? لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَ لَهُمْ So that may, they may observe many benefits for themselves. When you come to hajj, they are 
tremendous benefits of the deen and the dunya. When you, with deen obviously, but dunya also. You might find a business partner there. You might find a spouse there. You might, find a, you might purchase something there. You may sell something there. That's how it is. People used to traditionally have their, uh, their, their, their store set up. In Mina, the suq would be set up. So there was benefit of the dunya and the deen, both. And then mention much of the name of Allah during the known days of Hajj. Right now, whether you're in Hajj or not, this is the days of the dhikr of Allah. Tasbih, tahleel, takbir. Those brothers and sisters in Hajj and Ihram, they're going to be doing talbiyah. But as soon as they do the Ramul Jamar, as soon as they pelt this big, big shaitan or the big place, the big stone, uh, big pillar, then their talbiyah will stop and they will start saying, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, in different athkar. So these are the days of dhikr of Allah. During the known days of the Hajj pilgrimage. Over what He has provided them. Of grazing beast. What is an'am? An'am are cows, camels, goats, sheep, all of these, livestock. They're, they're called an'am. Why are they called an'am? Because they're a ni'mah, they're a blessing. Imagine if you had to tame a, a, a flock of 400 sheep like, and there were 400 grizzlies. How would you take care of that? Imagine you have to do qurbani of a grizzly. Huh? How hard that would be? Qurbani of, of an elk. Qurbani of a lion. Allah Azza wa has made these animals very soft and domesticated them. So you can milk them, you can use their hide, you can use their wool, yeah? you can sacrifice them when it comes to time for qurbani. Allah Azza wa has made all of these animals as a ni'mah, an'am, as a ni'mah. We have made them subjugated for you. We've subjugated them for you. You can ride them. A little child can grab massive thousand pound camel. He'll grab the, the rope and carry him. And the camel will walk behind the little five year old. Right? In the desert. That's how it is. How is that? Allah has subjugated them. So Allah says, Remember, take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name. When you ride these animals, Subhanallah, Sakharalanahada. All praise belongs to Allah who has subjugated this animal for me. Right? Or this car nowadays. So we do tasbih for the fact that these animals serve us milk, give us milk, etc. When you drink your chocolate milk or you drink your chai, think about that. That happened because Allah subjugated the cow for you. And that's why we're drinking our, our favorite chai we're gonna drink now, inshaAllah, after Isha. Say subhanallah, say alhamdulillah, thank Allah that He subjugated some cow somewhere to give you the milk for your chai. And then specifically during these days of Dhul Hijjah when the cows and the sheep and the goats will be sacrificed, make sure you take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name. فَكُلُوا مِنْهَا So eat of them. وَأَطْعِمُوا الْبَائِسَ الْفَقِيرِ And feed the afflicted ones and the indigent poor ones. Meaning the people in Hajj, they can, eat, they can ride the animal and then they, can, they will sacrifice the animal. They're allowed to eat from that animal and they can feed others as well. This is what's called hadi. Right, the hadith. Not that animal which they have to do, give as dumb. Meaning if you make a mistake and you have to sacrifice an animal, then that animal you cannot eat. You have to give away 100%. But if you brought an animal and you're sacrificing a shukr, thanking Allah Azza wa that He allowed you to perform the hajj, then that you can eat from it. Similarly, the udhiyah that we do here, we can eat as the recommended one-third. You eat, one-third you feed, you know, uh, your family and give away a third. So... You, you, you can feed elsewhere and it's great there are many places we can uh, participate in giving udhiyah across over uh, uh, abroad by all means don't do one animal do ten if you have the means of giving three thousand dollars why not feed the people however if you're staying if you're around town then find places where you can go to a farm 
in this area and other areas, there are farms, they're 30 miles away, 20 miles away. Take your kids and plan it out from now. There's many brothers out there who are doing it. You can ask me, I can connect you with those people who are doing it. Go there and take your, fam your kids and let them participate in the actual sacrifice. See, you, I can't stand this. This is not fun. We're not doing it for fun. We're not doing it for an experience. We're doing it because this is the deen. This is the deen. Then talk about it. But beta, you always say, Baba, I want fresh burgers. Fresh burgers. Burger can't say out there. Burger doesn't come, grow on a tree. This is where it comes from. You say, Baba, I want steak. I want hot dog. Where does that all come from? Someone is dying for you to eat your hot dog. Someone died for you to eat your cheeseburger. Thank Allah for that. That's all we're saying. Not to say you can't eat a cheeseburger. But understand what goes into this. If you say you cannot watch an animal being slaughtered, then stop eating meat. What is that? We eat, want to eat all that, but you say, no, I can't say it. This is for the sake of Allah. Understand that Allah is making these millions of animals die for you so you can worship Him. That's all He's saying. He said, I've subjugated them for you. You're subjugated for me. You're supposed to worship me. You're running after everything else besides me. That's the lesson to be learned when we go see. Yet it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, it's fine. It's supposed to be. This is nothing. You're supposed to actually keep that animal and raise the animal. Because we are trying to mimic what? The sacrifice of Ibrahim attempting to slaughter his son. Going watching an animal that you don't know die and get killed in 30 seconds, please, has not, is, is nowhere near being asked to sacrifice your son. Allah is letting us off the hook. So at least do that. And then talk about the story of Ibrahim and Ismail on the way back or on the way going there and say, Beta, Beti, Allah is not asking us to do any of that. Allah is just simply saying, put the knife on your haram desires. Not even halal desires. Haram desires. Put your foot on that. And remember, Allah will give you much more than this in akhirah. But just put your foot on your haram. Come on. Learn how to control your ears. Learn how to control your eyes. Learn how to control your tongue. Learn how to control your mouth. Learn how to control your buying power, spending power. That's it. That's all Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying. So these are lessons that to be learned and to be taught during these days of the Hajj. Then after completing the Hajj pilgrimage rituals, what should you do when you're out of Ihram? Let them end their unkemptness. Tafath means the dirt, disheveled hair, you haven't taken a shower for many days, you haven't uh, combed for many days, you haven't used soap for many days, all of those things. So naturally, you'll get dusty and smelly and so forth. Of that unkempt, unkemptness, get rid of it. Because now you're out of ihram. You can take off your two uh, pair, a, a pair of white garments, change into your normal clothes, get rid of the unwanted hair, take a nice bath, and then fulfill your personal vows. What personal vows? All those du'as that you made in Arafat. Ya Allah, I, I promise you I'm going to change my life. Muzdalifa, Ya Allah, from now on I'm going to do this. In Mina, Ya Allah, I'm going to do this. Well now it's time to act. You're out of ihram. Now get, the, get, get on the ground running. Whatever intentions we are making during these 10 days of the hijjah and du'as that we're making, istighfar we're doing, commitments and azam and determination we're making, well, Eid day, you're out. You can relax Eid day. Day after that, get to work. Whatever commitments you made, you need to start fulfilling it. And circle around the ancient house. Tawafa yutawif is not tawafa yatufu. Tawafa means to circle. In circle, you know, circle around. Tawafa, the added wow here, gives you the, not just the meaning of emphasis, rather the meaning of excessive tawaf. You don't just do one. You're going to do a lot of tawafs. And they're going to be filled with passion and love for Allah Azza wa Jal.
Kaaba is this is called what your tawaf ziyarah, the main tawaf, the fard ruk, tawaf of our Hajj. That you have to do that. Atiq Kaaba has been called Atiq for many reasons. One is because it's the oldest house. Atiq means old. One is because Atiq means freed from the fire of Jahannam. Whoever comes there properly and repents to Allah Azza wa Jal, then his presence in front of the Kaaba will free him from the fire of hell. A third thing is that it breaks the necks of the, even the biggest tyrants. The wars have covered across the globe, wars have happened. But the Kaaba and the, that area around it has been spared. All these wars that have happened. So this is a place where even the biggest tyrants of the world, they have to think twice before they make any move. Inshallah, we will continue from this ayah 30 um, next week. Please stay up, please join the um, uh, updates group outside. If you have, if, um, okay, yeah, we, don't, we don't have the tafsir update group here, but outside the outside updates group that's there, join that. We'll send out a WhatsApp message about next week's plan, whether we're gonna have tafsir or not, because it will be the night of Eid. Uh, but inshallah, we'll see, we'll figure things out, we'll let you know inshallah in the next couple of days about that. We will have uh, on Monday. Or, um, the uh, program on the importance of the day of Arafah. So Tuesday is the day of Arafah, the day when we, everyone should be fasting, at least if not uh, the, all these days, then at least the day of Arafah, a day of excessive dua, inshallah. And um, Monday, inshallah, we'll have a program so we make the most of Tuesday. And then of course Wednesday will be Eid, inshallah. And these are days of uh, worshiping Allah like we like we'd worship in Ramadan. So every single one of us, may Allah give us tawfiq to, to spend some, some time, tahajjud, before we go to bed. And if Allah gives us tawfiq to fast, if not fasting every day, then maybe at least two, three days from these blessed days uh, that we should be doing. Make arrangements for Udhaya as well locally and give as much as you can overseas as well to those places where Udhaya is being done. And, and, and in this uh, blessed days of Dhul Hijjah, recite the surah, the one that we are covering right now, Surah Al Hajj. I was just speaking to my teacher this morning and he was just emphasizing the fact that this should be read every single day if possible. Alright, if possible, read it every single day. If you cannot read it every single day, read it once or however much you can. And with the niyyah of, of the, the barakat of these days to enter our lives. The, the, the nur of Allah Azza wa Jal, the special nur that is descending, the special blessings of Allah that are descending in these, in these days and nights. And especially at the Ka'batullah, that through the, our recitation of Surah Al-Hajj, that Allah Azza wa Jal gives us these spiritual benefits. So please make niyyah of reciting this surah. If not every day, then at least once or twice during these blessed days and nights, ask Allah Azza to accept our recitation, inshallah, our tafsir. Whatever good and khair was said, it was from Allah. May He enable me and all of us to practice on it. Mistakes were made, we ask forgiveness from Allah Azza for that. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdik. Nashadu wa ilaha illa, nastaghfirullah, And today was, alhamdulillah, our first day of the deen intensive in all our summer programs. There are some few seats left for some of the programs, especially the AM session for kids. Uh, 9 to 12 if you have little children and want to benefit from our QIS program uh, please register online or visit tomorrow morning inshallah uh, at 8.30am inshallah subhanallah bihamdi subhanallah bihamdi inshallah ilaha 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 ilaha